Hello and welcome to the Smart Witch Podcast and thanks for joining me today. I'm really excited about this episode because today we're going to talk about tarot allies and archetypes that we can work with for any social justice movement to be active agents for change. Now, we've talked about tarot already quite a bit in this podcast, but always in the form of as a divination tool. And there are a couple other different ways to work with the tarot than um, as a tool for divination. And when I say divination, I'm referring to the act of approaching a tarot deck with the full intention of shuffling the cards to either answer a specific question that you have or to otherwise just offer clarity or insight so that you can leave the deck feeling somehow like you better understand yourself, your situation, or um, some other aspect of your current reality. Now, there's lots of other ways, though, to work with the tarot as witches. And one of the ways that we can work with tarot is embodiment. And we can also work with tarot directly in um, spell work and things like that. But I really like to work with tarot specifically as an embodiment tool because this is really how we use it to enact real change in our lives immediately. And what I mean when I say embodiment is literally exploring the different archetypes of the tarot and thinking of them as parts of ourselves that we always have access to. Because I really do believe that's true, and especially when we're thinking about the major arcana, which is, as I talked about in my brief tarot intro, which I think was episode two of this podcast, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to that yet, I totally do recommend it. But we really can think of tarot as a story, as a narrative. And it's not necessarily a story with a beginning, middle, and end. It's not necessarily a story with plot. It's not a story that is uh, necessarily sequential. It's kind of a circular narrative that is always happening. It's happening all the time at the same time. And what's interesting is that at the end of the day, there's only one character in the story, and that character is you when you're working with the tarot for yourself. And so what's powerful about that is you can literally access these different characters, these different parts of yourself at any time. And you can basically think of all of the major arcana as, as I said, facets of your identity and your inner being. And you can literally make the conscious decision to choose to allow any one of them to sort of lead or take the, take the wheel at any given time if that particular archetype is going to be especially powerful when you're passing through a particular situation. So for example, maybe you're in a situa- situation in your life where you really want to embody the chariot because you're in a situation where you're really being called on to fight for yourself, to uh, really own your shit, to really bring a newfound level of confidence to a situation, maybe even to push the boundaries of what you're comfortable with and what your sensitivity would normally allow. And maybe you would want to embody 
the high priestess, which honestly, who doesn't want to embody the high priestess? I guess even the empress would be kind of a more common example of just like a card that a lot of people want to embody pretty much all the time because the empress is pretty much like the total babe of the tarot. It's just all about pleasure and receiving and um, all the good things, abundance, sexuality, femininity. So um, that's a common card that I think witches in particular work with as a uh, embodiment card. But you can literally embody any of the cards of the tarot, and it really is just as simple as setting the conscious intention to do so. And it's as simple as just actually thinking in moments as they arise, what would the high priestess do in this situation? Or what would the emperor do in this situation? Or how can I embody chariot energy in this particular situation? And actually thinking about it through that lens. Now, what's really great about working with the tarot as an embodiment tool is that you don't even need to own a tarot deck. You literally don't need to even be familiar with the divinatory uh, interpretations that we typically assign to the cards. You don't even really have to have any sort of a pre-existing relationship with the tarot. And as I said, you do not have to physically own a deck. You can literally work with the tarot in theory, as a concept, as a story, and so what I'm going to recommend is that as I talk about each of these cards one by one, especially if you're not really familiar with the tarot, if you don't own a physical deck, if you maybe don't have never pulled tarot cards for yourself, I'm going to recommend that you just pull up Google on your phone or your computer or however you're listening to this and actually look at the illustrations as I talk because the Pamela Coleman Smith illustrations and uh, the more modern uh, reinterpretations of her original illustrations are purposefully intended or were purposefully intended by her to be extremely evocative. And so even if you're not familiar with the tarot logically and rationally, like maybe you've never studied it or learned the sort of interpretations that are widely accepted, I feel like just by looking at the image at hand, you're going to understand um, intuitively what the card quote unquote means or what the essence of the card is. And the reason for this is, again, as I talk about in my episode, A Brief Tarot Intro, which again, I really recommend you check out if you haven't already listened to that. You will recognize the tarot because you've been there before or rather you'll recognize every card in the tarot because you'll realize that you've been through it before. And not only that you've been through it, but in the case of the Major Arcana, you'll realize that that's a part of yourself that you know, that you're familiar with, that you've worked with before. And so um, don't feel like you need to have any sort of tarot knowledge to be able to keep up with this episode or enjoy this episode because you completely don't. You should be totally fine just listening to this episode. And as I said, I think that you will especially benefit if you just pull up the pictures of the six cards that we're about to discuss. So obviously in the United States right now, which is where I'm located, there is a really powerful movement happening right now where the black community has basically um, decided that it's time to call some shit out. And I think that the uh, white the white community and really just any privileged people 
um, are for the most part standing with the movement and obviously there's some resistance but for the most part I think that this has been a really powerful up level for this nation and obviously it's a it's a process we've seen some really exciting uh, progress but we still have really far to go there's still a lot of injustice right now um, and so it's going to be a process but nonetheless, I'm feeling personally really optimistic about it, and um, I really just want to talk about these six cards as they can assist us in being the change and being in allyship with literally any sort of a social justice movement. So obviously, they are going to be very applicable to the one that we are passing through right now in the United States with the Black Lives Matter movement. But I do want you to just understand too that hopefully these are ar archetypes that you'll be able to work with all throughout your life as you encounter various situations and movements and experiences where a, a people stands up and advocates for themselves and you have that opportunity regardless of whether or not you personally are experiencing any oppression it's important to still be someone that cares about other people and if you're listening to this podcast then I genuinely am going to assume that you are a good person who does their best I'm going to assume that you are someone who is uh, fundamentally a good person and who fundamentally believes. I know for a fact and that if you're listening to this podcast, you fundamentally believe that you can have anything that you want and that you deserve to have anything you want. And I know that because we talk in this podcast pretty much constantly about manifesting and about how to get the life that you want. And that's really kind of my ultimate goal with this podcast is helping you get there, helping you be your best self, helping you create the life that you want. And if you believe that about about yourself, then again, I'm going to go out on a limb and trust that you also believe that every single person on this planet also deserves that too. They also deserve to have whatever they want. They deserve to have the same opportunities as you do and as everyone else does. They deserve to feel good. They deserve to feel safe. They deserve to feel powerful. And so if you believe that, then this is going to be a really powerful episode in helping you to actually stand as an ally to the black community during this time. But again, I really do think that these six cards are timeless and can apply to any wide number of situations. So let's start at the, the very beginning with the card that to me I think is the most relevant to this particular uh, movement that we're seeing right now in the United States, which is the tower. And this has been spoken about several times by several different teachers that this movement is almost eerily, uh, particularly and specifically, a manifestation of a tower experience. Anytime we're dealing with a tower situation, if you're not familiar with the tower card, the tower of the tarot is the moment in any sort of a plot where the protagonist realizes that there's something inherently flawed or unstable or just downright incorrect with their system and with the way that they have been doing things thus far. They have proceeded on a rocky road. They have built on a foundation that was not solid. And something normally happens that's pretty climactic, that's pretty uh, dramatic to make them have this unpleasant realization that they essentially need to completely knock everything to the ground, all the progress that they thought they'd made, and start again from the bottom. 
And this quite literally is, I think, the symbol of racism in America, because this country, whether we want to talk about this or not, and whether we feel badly acknowledging this or not, this country was literally founded um, on enslavement of, of various people. And that's not something that we can be in denial about. That's not something that we can... Uh, argue with. That's not a debatable statement. It's not an opinion. It's fact. This nation was built on the enslavement of other people. And that's obviously not a system that is sustainable. That's not a system that obviously is going to benefit everybody. And if it doesn't benefit everyone, then I don't believe that it could possibly be good for anyone because it's not The ecosystem is disturbed and disrupted. And so um, the tower is really powerful, I think, for, for this particular movement because, again, it is really, racism is something that is, that is built in to so many of our systems and it's, it's built into our laws. It's just so deeply ingrained because, again, our nation was literally built on, on slavery and in the midst of slavery. And so that doesn't simply go away. And I think that there has been a, a, an assumption that it has gone away, um, including, you know, myself here, because I definitely have done a lot of learning over the last couple weeks and realized just how much racism is really a deadly problem in America. And I'm embarrassed that I haven't been awakened to this issue sooner. But um, I feel like a lot of uh, white people, privileged people, have been doing a lot of listening and trying to figure out exactly how they can be helpful. And I think a big part of that is becoming awakened to the full truth, which we're going to talk about later with the next couple cards. But returning to the tower, the tower is literally all about dismantling systems that do not work, that are inherently flawed, that are not stable. And that is very much what we are doing here. We are completely upheaving these systems that are inherently not equal and in fact uh, prey on a specific group of people, uh, such as, you know, policing, law enforcement, and uh, I'm really not interested in debating with anyone on this. Please do your research if you think that this is an opinion and not fact, because I'm telling you it is a fact. Mass incarceration of black Americans is a huge crisis. It's a huge problem in this country. And Uh, Again, just please do your research on that. If you don't agree or if that sounds incorrect to you, I'm really not interested in having that debate. Um, But moving on, so the tower is also a powerful, I think, uh, medicine for this particular movement because people talk a lot about the looting and some of the more violent aspects of this, uh, this movement. And the thing with the tower... And the tower, by the way, does get a pretty bad rap. The tower is probably the single most feared card in the tarot because when people see it, they think of, you know, sudden epiphanies and revelations and shit just completely falling apart and it's violent and it's ugly and it's messy and it's uh, cleansed by fire, which, you know, we know is beneficial to us long term, but that can still totally suck in the moment. But the tower... I feel is, and this is a kind of a controversial statement with which you may disagree, 
And also, other tarot teachers may outright disagree with me as well. You might hear something different, but I really don't believe that the tar- the, the uh, tower is always, or even usually, an experience that is inherently not pleasant, that is inherently traumatizing. And the tower can absolutely be traumatizing by nature, absolutely, but I think that it can also be um, liberating and it can feel really good. Now, obviously, this particular tower experience is much more violent. There's uh, the trauma of the black community, I think, is, is completely palpable. And the reason for that is because it's overdue. And that's true of any tower experience. When we're working with the energy of the tower, the nature of the experience and how violent it's going to be is usually directly proportionate to for how long we've been ignoring the problem and how long we've been avoiding dealing with it. And so with the tower, you know, in this particular tower instance, there's been a really long avoidance of this of this problem. And so I feel like that's why it has become uh, a little more forceful of a movement because the black community has tried so many times to um, express their trauma and express their pain, and we've not listened. And so this is now the form that it's taking. And... I just feel that the tower is crucial in understanding that that aspect, especially if you are, like me, a privileged person. Um, It's important to just sort of understand what is happening. And I think the tower is probably the most revealing card of the deck for helping us to sort of understand what is going on, literally, with this movement. Now, the other card that I think is really closely connected to this particular movement is justice. And I think that you probably saw this coming, that obviously we're talking about cards for social justice. Justice had to be in here somewhere. And justice is a really important card in regards to any sort of a social justice movement because justice is all about being in touch with the reality of a situation, even if it's painful even if we don't like the reality of the situation. But the thing that justice teaches us is that we have to be aware of the truth because that only then can we be a part of the solution is if we're fully knowledgeable and if we're fully awakened and if we're fully, uh, if we know our shit, then we can be helpful. But if we're in denial, or maybe you're not even necessarily in outright denial as much as you may just not really know what's going on, but even then there's there's choice around that. And so the justice card, which by the way, is one of the only cards in the tarot where we see the sword held completely upright. Uh, the king of swords is the other card that where we see this kind of empowered use um, and the, the, queen of, the queen of swords too we see a really empowered use of the sword. And the sword is a crucial symbol of the justice card because the sword is truth. And sometimes it hurts, sometimes it cuts, sometimes it's searing, but always it is better to know the truth. And that's what justice is all about. Justice is about being fully in touch with the reality of a situation even if it's not totally pleasant. And if it's not totally pleasant, that's all the more reason that we should want to be aware because then we can change it. 
once we realize, this is like what Abraham Hicks would call contrast, when we realize that something is not the way that it could be or that we want it to be or that it should be, only then do we form the desire and hopefully begin to take the actions to make that change. But it has to start with the realization that that there's a problem. And that's what justice is all about. And so this is a really powerful card, especially for privileged Americans to be working with during this time because it's all about doing your research and making sure that you really do know, know your shit. And if you don't think that racism is a problem in modern America, then you really need to embody the justice card. You really need to do some research. You need to watch some documentaries. Uh, The documentary 13th on Netflix is extremely poignant, but it's really, really good. There's lots of um, interesting talks on YouTube, and I may post some links for you down below too so you can find those for a free resource. There's lots of books available on Amazon on anti-racism. There's so many books that in... in, uh, documentaries and YouTube talks that you can turn to, to really experience the truth. And I literally mean like not opinion, the statistics, the facts and the facts and the statistics say that, you know, racism is a huge problem in this country. The mass incarceration of black Americans is a huge problem in this country. That's just simply fact. And so Again, if you think that it's just kind of not a problem, as I think a lot of us, a lot of us had been, and I think that's why so many privileged people were slow to get on active board with this movement because we just maybe didn't know. And again, there's a willing ignorance that happens when information is difficult to intake. But nonetheless, justice is all about taking responsibility and really just facing the truth again, so that we can change it. But first we have to know what we're working with in order to make any sort of a change. So that's justice. Now, the next card that I think is really important to any sort of a social justice movement is judgment. And I feel like judgment is an interesting card because it's multifaceted. So um, in a lot of decks, you'll see judgment renamed, like in my Witch's Tarot by Ellen Dugan, it is renamed as Karma. And I know that in at least a couple of different decks, it is renamed as Awakening. And I really, really like that because judgment really is an awakening. And I feel like the judgment card, energetically speaking, is almost like a fusion of the tower and justice. It's similar to justice in the sense that there is... um, there's a there's a facing of the truth in judgment there's a realization but it's more forceful than justice which is why it's almost like the tower in that way it's quick also i feel like judgment is often swift like the tower where there's a moment where we become awakened to something and we cannot unsee it and we cannot unknow it we cannot go back it is, we are fundamentally different as a result of the experience. And that's very similar to the tower. And already you're probably seeing how that's relevant because I do feel like judgment, especially now, because it's been a couple weeks now, this movement is not new uh, anymore. It's not like as uh, fresh as it was a couple weeks ago. But now we're still kind of finding that we're only ever going to continue to fight. 
especially those who have kind of passed through the justice moment of educating themselves and figuring out what's really going on so that they can be a part of the solution. And once you do that, I feel like you find yourself in the judgment phase where there has been this awakening that you now have a new understanding and you'll never go back. It's a transformation. And Terry Cole, psychotherapist, always says that the difference between change and transformation is that change can be changed back, but transformation cannot. It cannot be reversed. It's like growing. If we grow, we can't fit in the same small box that maybe we used to be able to fit into because we're too big now and that's never going to change. And that I feel is how a lot of especially privileged Americans feel now, that they understand that this is such a huge issue and a lot of our old tendencies, our old thought patterns will never be the same for the better. And so this is a really powerful card, I think, for a lot of us to identify with in terms of where we are now with this movement. And now judgment is also a really important card because we learn with judgment where we are judging other people and where we're also judging ourselves. And that's a really important thing to think about during this time because as we're going to talk more about in a couple di- a couple cards later, um, a lot of times we realize that we do have some racist tendencies and that can be really hard to admit. And honestly, it can be hard to even consciously acknowledge because I feel, again, like if you are a high vibe babe who is doing their best, you truly might not even realize how deeply ingrained certain judgments are that you may make about people based on the differences between you and that person. And this is really why we end up othering people whether it is, you know, a race of people or a culture or a gender or anything else, any other distinguishing uh, physicality or way of carrying oneself. And it's really important that we get honest with ourselves about that and the ways that we do pass judgments on other people that can ultimately end up being a part of the problem and also literally, as we're seeing now, quite deadly. And so that's something to really think about. And if that's where you are right now, if you're really starting to take responsibility and just sort of shift some of your perspectives, then judgment is a really powerful ally for you to work with now. Now, the next card that I think is really important for any sort of a social justice movement, and this one in particular, is the devil. Now, again, the devil is one of the most disliked cards of the tarot, and we're going to do a whole episode on the devil, hopefully sooner rather than later, because this is actually a card that I'm extremely passionate about. And the devil is really not what you may think of it as. A lot of um, more traditional interpretations of the devil talk about it as being a card of Um, addiction and base carnal desires. And this is really a very puritanical interpretation of this card, which is all about shame. And this, by the way, is pretty specifically coming from Lindsay Mack, who I very heavily um, have shaped a lot of my tarot interpretations around her teachings. So full credit there. Lindsay Mack is an amazing voice in the tarot community, and she's really quite pioneering in a lot of her perspectives. And I love her take on the devil, which is that this is not a card of addiction and toxic cycles and giving in to our lowly worldly desires. This is literally like Christianized puritanical bullshit that basically says that our base instincts are evil and bad 
and really when we think about even the devil archetype in general. The devil, the Christian devil, the deity, is literally just the Greek god Pan. He's the horned god, just kind of a demonized uh, version. And so the, what the devil represents is, is that fear that people project onto him when really he's literally just, you know, when we think about the Greek god Pan, there's a certain animalistic nature that's, you know, not totally like, you know, like he's lecherous and he is uh, hypersexual and he just really represents our most animalistic nature but that's there, right? Like that's a part of us. And I feel like, you know, when we cast that aside, when we, when we other it, when we shadow it, that's when we become in complicated relationship with ourselves. And so the devil is really just all about shadow work and releasing any notion of shame. And we really can't talk about the devil without quickly just defining shame because there's a really big difference between shame and guilt. And this again, actually, is coming from Terry Cole. So guilt is the feeling of having done something wrong. Guilt is a feeling that we can all relate to. We all know what it's like to have done something and later realize like, shit, I shouldn't have done that. That was not the right thing to do. But shame is the feeling of being something wrong. We feel shame when we're literally concerned that there might be something about us that if other people knew, we would be unlovable to them. And this is the most painful human emotion. This is the lowest vibrational human emotion is shame. And obviously there's a lot of that when we other people, as we just talked about with the judgment card. And so we make other people feel ashamed about themselves when we do that. And more importantly, it has nothing to do with them when we do that. And really, it just has to do with our own personal shame. And so in that sense, I feel like in any sort of an experience or um, situation where a group is being othered or oppressed, the devil is an archetype that can really heal the situation because we realize that it's just shaming and it has no bearing on the reality of the situation. And we also realize that people who shame are themselves ashamed. And so um, it's just one of those contagious sort of things. Now, I also feel like shame is important to talk about in regards to this particular movement, especially because a lot of people resist sort of engaging with the energy of justice and judgment, as we just talked about, getting to know... Um, the truth and really figuring things out, doing research, listening, studying, and holding themselves accountable. A lot of people shy away from doing that work and really pretty, pretty aggressively resist doing that work because they're simply afraid. They're afraid to hold the mirror up to themselves because they're afraid of what they're going to see. And there's some shame there too. We feel ashamed that we haven't done more. We feel ashamed that we've turned away for as long as we have. And that's obviously not an excuse to not wake the fuck up now. So that's not what I'm saying. It's not an excuse, but it is an explanation. That's what I'm offering it as here. And this is why a lot of the times there is resistance to social justice movements in literally any, any case, because the people that have the power to help but haven't helped sooner feel shame and guilt, which again are similar, but shame is a little more fundamental that we fear in shame that 
there is something about our nature that makes us unlovable. And that, again, is, is so painful. And I feel like you can probably think of at least a few moments in your life where you felt extreme shame. And a few qualities, even, in particular, that you are ashamed of, that, that are there. But we know from shame that the more that we try to push it down and the more we try to suppress those qualities that we're afraid of, the worse they become, the more they become destructive in our lives. And I'm just going to be completely vulnerable. One of my biggest shadow qualities is jealousy. I am a Cancer moon and I have Taurus on the cusp of my um, eighth house and I have Scorpio on the cusp of my second house. And so I am a little bit of a jealous person. I have an anxious attachment style as of right now, but I'm really working on topping that out and changing that and being more securely attached. But I am definitely someone that feels jealous sometimes, especially in romantic situations where I have a lover or this person that I'm super into and they have like, you know, a friend of the same sex that, that they're attracted to that they just seem really close with or, um, I just feel like there's a flirtation going on, which of course is harmless and normal, but like it can be irrationally upsetting to me. And now here's the thing about jealousy though. Jealousy is actually a great catalyst for fire and passion in a relationship. And if I'm in a relationship with someone or in a, having an affair with someone and I watch them flirt with someone else and it lights that fire in my gut, rather than making me feel terrible and angry and upset, I can use that fire to be freaking turned on and to really add sexual energy to the relationship that I have with them. Because it's desire, right? That's all jealousy is. It's just desire and passion gone awry. But really, it can be harnessed as desire and passion. But when jealousy creeps up and if I try to push it down, I've noticed that that's when it really comes out in ways that are dysfunctional with me punishing the person that I'm with in weird little ways or just me becoming resentful of the relationship. And so um, that's, I think, just a really good example of shadow work in general and how we can use it to actually be our best selves rather than just kind of living in this illusion of who we think we are. And obviously that's uh, a little bit of a diversion from social justice, but it's so important to understand the devil card to understand why we do resist doing this work of taking stock and holding ourselves accountable because it's painful to acknowledge that there's something about you that you don't like, that there's a part of you that you feel you've failed yourself and other people. And that's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to acknowledge these shadowy parts of ourselves and these parts of ourselves that are ugly. And it is ugly that we've looked away from racism for as long as we have. But, you know, again, not an excuse to continue to look away. We still need to get honest about where we've disappointed ourselves, where we've disappointed the black community, and how we can move forward. Now, the next card that is, um, I think, going to take this to the next level is the Hanged Man. And the Hanged Man card is really powerful, especially for privileged people or for those who are not necessarily experiencing the oppression in any sort of a social justice movement, because the Hanged Man is all about just plain and simply the discomfort that arises when we're moving through a necessary expansion. And I think that for obviously privileged Americans, there's a lot of discomfort. Now, obviously, I say this with the understanding of how disgustingly privileged that sounds, because if you're uncomfortable right now, you're lucky. Because black Americans 
are a whole lot more than uncomfortable. They're literally living in a state of fear and oppression. And so our discomfort is not the priority. But it does have to be named because, again, this is a major reason why some people resist sort of getting on board for longer than they should. And so, and there is, we have to be honest about this, there is a level of discomfort being a person of privilege and talking about racism because, of course, you don't want to overstep your bounds. You don't want to sound as though you're an authority on the issue because you're not. You don't want to... Uh, say the wrong thing. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to be offensive. There's really a lot of discomfort that comes around when we talk about something like racism as privileged people. But there's also a discomfort with listening. There's a discomfort where if we do say something wrong and we're checked or we're sort of offered constructive criticism, that can be very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to just listen and listen to where we've been not doing things the right way or in a helpful way. And that's, I think, what a lot of us have been doing in the last couple of weeks. A lot of us have been in Hanged Man, where we're just kind of trying to listen to the black community and figure out what's needed so that we can be the change and that we can do whatever is needed and, you know, literally change our perspectives. And we like want to know a lot of us, that's where we've been. But the Hanged Man really just shows the discomfort that can come along with those really hard conversations and not just those conversations even, but other hard conversations that you might be having right now with friends whose sentiments are racist, that brings about a tough conversation. And so the hanged man is all about being willing to sit with the discomfort anyway. A lot of the times when we feel discomfort, we tend to assume that this means we've stepped off path, that we've done something wrong. But the truth is that a lot of the time, discomfort is actually a sign that we're doing everything right, and it's a sign that we are evolving. And a lot of the times, the process of evolution is not comfortable, and that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. In fact, again, it can often be a sign that things are going the way that they should. And so the hanged man, I think, is a really powerful ally if you're struggling with having some of those hard conversations, if you still find it really uncomfortable to talk about racism in an honest way, if you find it uncomfortable to listen to the black community and to take responsibility for the areas where you've neglected to be an anti-racist or an ally in the past. Um, the Hanged Man, again, is just all about sitting with that discomfort and continuing to listen, continuing to speak anyway. And that, I think, is really important. And then the final card I want to talk about for any sort of a social justice movement is the Hierophant. Now, the Hierophant, and again, this interpretation is coming pretty specifically from Lindsay Mack, the Hierophant is all about rewriting old stories and especially stories that were not necessarily written by us. They might have been stories that were handed to us by our early institutions, such as schools and um, caretaking services, our family of origin, our parents, our early friendships, our early experiences in general. And, you know, the Hierophant is really all about kind of learning to balance out and filter our old stories that we have accumulated from our formative years with what we now know to be true as adults. And of course, that's a lifelong process. But I think that with what the United States in particular is going through right now with acknowledging its racist nature, we as individuals can really take responsibility at the individual level by embodying this card and really being willing to look at the ways that we are racist 
maybe not consciously so or overtly so, but again, we might pass certain judgments or even if we're compliant or if we've accepted certain things before that were part of the problem, well, that makes us part of the problem. And so the Hierophant is all about taking stock of our old beliefs and, and rewriting them and adjusting them to be something that is more conducive to the current situation. Now, the Hierophant is also a card about, as I said, other like institutions, outside forces that might have contributed to the formation of these beliefs. And one of the things that I realized one of the first weeks that, you know, this was kind of all happening where George Floyd had just been murdered. And one of the first things that I thought when I was finally started to do some research and really listen to the black community, I realized that I was very ill prepared by school. And now I still take full responsibility for the fact that I should have and could have sought out other resources that challenged my high school curriculum. And again, I, I fully take responsibility for that. But nonetheless, I couldn't help but realize that my school really didn't teach us to be good anti-racists. In fact, quite the opposite. It really taught us that the right thing to do was to try to be colorblind and just not see color. It taught us that racism ended with slavery or like with Jim Crow, which again, those are that's just not true. And that's really important with the hermit is really examining these outside contributions to your beliefs and holding those accountable too. I've been writing actually to the just key uh, decision makers in my school, the vice president, the president, the superintendent, the uh, curriculum coordinator. And I've also written to my favorite history teachers and English teachers expressing these sentiments that I would really like to see more dialogue in the classroom on modern racism and just on how to be an anti-racist than what I experienced because there was no conversation around this. And so the Hierophant is really powerful in that way too. We can really sort of get to the bottom of why we might have certain beliefs or maybe not necessarily beliefs, but where we may lack knowledge and how did we never learn that. And I feel like this is where I am now too. This is a card that I've been working with a lot lately. So that's it. These are the cards that I feel are probably the most powerful and the most important to consider with any sort of a social justice movement. So I hope that this episode was really helpful for you. I hope that you embody these cards and work with them literally as we continue to fight racism and systemic uh, white supremacy and just all the things that have come to light really pretty uh aggressively in the last couple of weeks. This is going to be a really long process, but I really do think that these cards can be powerful allies and helpers uh, to access and work with to really just help us be really good citizens during this time. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, Take really good care of yourself, and I will talk to you very soon.